0: Hi, and welcome to Communicating Climate Change, a podcast dedicated to helping you do exactly that. I'm Dickon, and I'll be your host as we dig deep into the best practices and the worst offences, always looking for ways to help you and me improve our abilities to engage, empower, and ultimately activate audiences on climate-related issues. This episode features a conversation with Florencia Luhani, Strategy Director at ACT Climate Labs. It was recorded in November. 2023. With over 15 years' experience working at a slew of top creative agencies, Florencia is an expert in brand strategy, creative planning and ideation, as well as consumer and cultural insights. She's developed strategies and creative campaigns for globally recognised brands and non-profits like YouTube, Friends of the Earth, KitKat, Greenpeace, Chelsea Football Club, O2, the Olympic Games, and many more. In her role at ACT Climate Labs, Florencia helps climate organisations reach a new audience called the Persuadables, who are considered key to increasing public support for climate action. Amongst other things, Florencia and I discussed the latest research to better understand the Persuadables, the ways that information we're exposed to shapes our perceptions of the world, and lessons that those working in the climate space might learn from marketing and advertising. So, let's get on with it. This is Communicating Climate Change, with Florencia Luhani, From your perspective, how can communication best contribute in humanity's response to the climate crisis?
1: I would say that the way in which communications can best contribute is by promoting positive narratives, because climate misinformation is a big issue that is impacting people in ways that sometimes we don't even understand. Misinformation around climate change and the science and the way that it's impacting our life and our world today is far reaching that we think. And it has a way of engaging people with very straightforward, simple narratives uh, that people are able to understand and repeat easily. And misinformation starts to shape the way that people think about issues. Um, their attitudes, their behaviours, their opinions. And so I think communicators have an opportunity to start promoting positive climate narratives to also fight that misinformation and uh, replace those negative narratives with all of the positives that fighting climate change will bring to society. Investing on climate solutions will bring lots of, really good opportunities for economies, for people, for our daily lives. And we are operating in an adversarial context, I would say, in that lots of well-funded organizations, bad actors, and very vocal minorities are being supported and feel like they have a megaphone. And so communications needs to really present the other side, the counter-narrative. The misinformation space is a very interesting one. It really diminishes the effectiveness of our own messages because there is, you know controversial clips from TV interviews, fear mongering content on social media, clickbait headlines, tabloids in the u k are um, using very inflammatory language against people um, working towards climate solutions. You can find misinformation almost everywhere. All of those things really, shape your views and attitudes on things. And so when people are reached by these narratives, they start to think that climate action can wait, or why should they do something about it? Or they start believing on false hopes, like carbon capture or things that don't really work, or they start engaging on culture wars. That is the underlying context. And I think we as communicators forget that misinformation is a big competitor when it comes to getting our messages heard and getting them to be really effective.
0: It's like branding, right? Misinformation brand is just cornering the market right now.
1: Exactly. Yes. Well, I have a background in advertising. I have worked for over 15 years at advertising agencies, creating brand strategies, creative ideas, campaigns, And something that we know from the branding world, and that I think the advertising world has so many good practices and good advice, is that you need repetition for a message to stick. Advertising is a highly researched discipline, even though that might be a surprise for many of us. But there are scholars that work on it and that try and test all of the effectiveness. The marketing theory is very robust. And I think there is a lot that the climate sector can learn from advertising in the way that it understands psychology and the way that it uses media to reach people and the way that it really effectively creates engaging stories and myths that people can buy into. Those are a skill. And we see time and time again, the influence of good branding when those things are done well. One of the biggest challenges that I have when talking to NGOs and organizations about advertising is that they see it as a source of consumption and all of the things that have gotten us to the climate crisis as it is today. But I think the underlying theory and approaches are still very helpful. For example, understanding how effective broadcast media is when delivering messages A lot of climate organizations and NGOs in general, there is a big challenge on funding and money is never enough. And so a lot of organizations choose digital advertising because it's cheaper. For some organizations, it feels very secure and measurable because it gives you a ton of statistics and a ton of numbers that you can use to justify your spending. But the issue with digital advertising is that it individualizes people and everyone's for you page and algorithm is different. And what brands do really, really well is that they use broadcast media that reaches everyone and that creates shared understanding and meaning around their brands and around their messages. And when we only focus our efforts on reaching people through digital spaces where personalization and algorithmic recommendations are shaping the way that people think about things. We lose on creating narratives that have shared meaning and that have social buy-in. That's the thing that we work um, at ACT Climate Labs very strongly with partners and organizations who want to start doing advertising because the power of a TV ad or an ad that you see on the cinema, or that you see as you're walking down the street, is very different psychologically to an ad that you see as you are scrolling through Facebook. The way to combat these little pieces of misinformation that sometimes are digitally shared is with bigger messages that involve everyone and that create shared, socially constructed meaning and understanding.
0: Could you explain the concept of The Persuadables and why it matters when considering outreach on climate related issues?
1: The Persuadables sits at the very centre of ACT Climate Labs and our theory of change. Our project is all built around this audience and we we coined the, the word The Persuadables to characterize people who believe that climate change is happening but are really not that interested in the topic. They don't really discuss it and it's not really a priority for them. But overall they are supportive and they could be our allies but they're just not really engaged. We started working off climate outreach groundbreaking work Britain Talks Climate that identified seven segments in the UK population where you have around 14 percent of people agreeing with climate policies, and 17% on the other extreme, not going to agree with climate policies and they're not gonna be convinced to. And so everyone in between those two, who is not a climate activist, as you might call them, or a climate denier, everyone else represents the 69% of the population. And they are people who believe climate change is happening. We believe that they are a key um, audience to engage because they represent the silent majority and they also have a really big impact because again, going back to what can we learn from advertising, 69% of people, if we manage to engage the majority of them, that would mean massive social buying to positive climate policies and support Uh, that would translate into pressure, to policies and regulation. And so it's important that we bring that silent majority, those persuadables, on board. Through our research and all of the insight work that we do on audiences and misinformation, we identify that there are sub-segments within that really large majority that are usually not being reached by climate communications, and they are not really seeing our climate messages very often. We call them the urban somewheres, which are more likely to self-identify as working class. We have multi-ethnic audiences and people who come from different ethnic backgrounds. And we also have people who live in rural and semi-rural settings. The reality is that these three audiences also share a few elements, like they are politically indecisive or moderate. They also don't really consume news. And they're also not really aligned with activism as an activity or as a way of thinking about themselves. Most of them are um, over 40s as well. So persuadables represent a big opportunity for uh, climate organizations. And they're really not the key audience for many organizations. And that's why we think that there is a massive opportunity there engaging them and getting to know them it will only make our communications more effective and that's why we have been researching this audience for um, over over two years um, every summer I embark on a research project and spend time with persuadables the first persuadables research was published last year and I've just finished our second, Research on persuadables that I carried out in September 2023. And I've just launched the latest report this very week. So we now have two years of research on persuadable audiences, distilling their views, their attitudes, and what they think about climate and how we can make a better job at communicating climate issues in a way that fits with their worldview and fits with their social and cultural context.
0: How does the cultural context influence the reception and interpretation of climate change messages?
1: This research that we just published now in November 2023 argues that the challenge of communicating climate change has nothing to do with getting climate right, but getting the cultural context right. A lot of people working at climate organisations know climate change and all of its impacts inside out. So there isn't an issue of getting the climate science or the climate impact right is about getting the cultural context right. Because what we know is that persuadables are interested in climate issues. They believe climate change is happening, but they notice a cultural divide that discourages them from getting involved. Persuadables think that those talking about or campaigning about climate issues are others, and they don't see those people as people like me. And so they think of climate campaigners as people speaking to them from a different social and cultural context. And I think that is an important point to reflect on because our communications as a sector are a representation of us. And the people that w- work at climate organizations, we have you know some very specific social and cultural context, right? So we have a high involvement in politics. Uh, we are also comfortable navigating spheres of power. And so a lot of our campaigns have that call to action, like, you know, write to your MP or to your representative or getting involved. And we also have a lot of trusting institutions, right? Many times we are part of those institutions. And so we believe that change is possible. And so our campaigns say something like, you know, we have collective power. We also have an understanding of interconnected issues. We understand the way that climate change is related to social justice, and we have global perspectives. A lot of people are working specifically on the global north or the global south. And so we sometimes have those messages around, you know, needing systemic change, or we need to protect net zero by 2050, or we need to deliver a just transition. And all of that just comes from this perspective of activism being a normal activity and I think that we get a lot of joy from participating in and that we like to spend our uh, free time doing and so we also talk about getting more people to join our movement but persuadables have So many different issues with those different statements. For example, when we asked people to give their thoughts on the right to your MP, call to action, they said, I'm not sure who my MP is, or I don't even know what to say or how to write a letter. Is anyone going to judge me if I don't use the right words? When we say, you know, we have collective power, they're a bit like, well, we only find out about the changes uh, once they happen. Nobody thinks of asking us first. So there is also that disconnect of really not believing in that collective power element. A lot of people also struggle to really understand what delivering a just transition means in terms of the impact on their daily lives. And I remember one persuadable said to me, I don't know if I'm on board with that because I don't really understand what bits of my life are going to change. So how can I say yes to something like that, that is so abstract? The issues are cultural. They're not challenging climate change as a thing that is happening. They don't have an issue with that, they believe in that. But what they are saying is, what you are asking me to do has nothing to do with who I am as a person. It doesn't reflect my habits, uh, the social norms that I navigate, uh, my values. Uh, the social conditions that impact my life. A man from Newcastle has said to me, uh, we were talking about, you know, joining our movement. And he just looked at me and he said, like, none of my mates are doing that. So I'm just not going to be, I'm not going to be the weird one (laughs) that, you know, gets involved in activism. Like, that's just not going to happen. And so I think that is the big disconnect, is the way that the language that we're using is the key sticking point turning people away. And that's why with this latest research, we really focused on language and culture and how we need to adapt so that climate change is put on persuadable terms and not the ones that reflect our conditions.
0: How does language shape public perception and understanding of climate change?
1: Yeah, so there are a few things that we identified from our research. And I'm going to give a a brief overview because the research is over 200 pages long. It was a very comprehensive qualitative research approach where we used semiotics, but we also did expert interviews. We interviewed filmmakers, academics, community leaders. We also did um, ethnography, narrative analysis. This gave us so much content and so many interesting insights, there were a few things that definitely stood out as not really resonating, right? For example, all of the technical and corporate language, like carbon neutral, net zero, it just creates a detachment and a lack of relevance to everyday life and activities. The corporate language is a huge turnoff because across the three segments, there is kind of like an erosion of trust towards people working in high positions, in management or in politics. And so the corporate language is definitely a sign of not people like me. Then there is also the over-dramatized element of the climate crisis. We've had many, many conversations with organizations who are also picking up on this, who are seeing that people are not really responding to messages like we are in an emergency now or we're running out of time. People need to see the climate crisis framed in a different way because the fear and urgency that comes from words like emergency and crisis are just making people tired. There is a fatigue that comes from being exposed to those messages, making persuadables turn away. Then a lot of empty and unauthentic Language around, for example, think green, or small actions have big impact. All of that is seen as a persuadable said to me. These are all empty words on a page. It really couldn't be clearer what they think about those statements. We also ask people to give their thoughts on statements like protect net zero uh, or net zero by twenty fifty. A woman from Aberdeen told me. I'd like to be sat down with some five-year-olds to get an explanation of what that means. She was completely baffled. She immediately started to think about 2050 in her own life and what would that mean and how old she would be and what kind of life she wanted to live in 2050. That was such a... A good reminder of the way in which people are framing these things in their minds and there is a lot that we can gain from adopting that perspective of if we had to explain this to a five-year-old how would we go about it because one thing is for sure creators of misinformation are explaining things in that very very plain language that people can understand and repeat we are missing a trick by not doing the same
0: mm-hmm. How can we use all of these insights that you've described to produce climate comms that more effectively engages the persuadables?
1: Sure. So we have three takeaways that I think would be relevant to the audience. A really important one that I touched on earlier is the use of down-to-earth language. Persuadables love functional language, relatable expressions, and also I think there's a lot to gain when we think about the benefits of employing local dialects and inclusive language that respects cultural diversity, because, you know, we are seeing a huge trend of nostalgia, right, in uh, communications in general. And I think there is a reason why nostalgia is so effective is because it evokes that shared understanding of issues. And we all know that a certain song is iconic because we all experience that being iconic. There is a big opportunity there of using elements that will bring people together and that will speak to the shared cultural experiences and values. That's a space that I think is rich with opportunities. Then I think the second recommendation is about being realistic. We need to validate Persuadables' fears and concerns when it comes to climate issues and climate solutions in the way that they are portrayed. There is a lot that I heard from Persuadables and saying, if there's gonna be some changes, the person that's gonna lose is more likely going to be me. And so they are struggling with understanding how change can be positive. So validating fears and concerns is a massive one. But also being pragmatic and realistic with those daily challenges, there is a reason why across the 3 subsegments of persuadables, climate change is coming as the last priority. And we need to be cognizant of those realities. And in a way, it's important to also engage people where they are with local success stories, because people are more likely to be engaged and understand the actual impacts of what we're saying when it's related to their communities and their livelihoods. Linked to being realistic, I think there is a great opportunity of thinking about portraying solutions as common sense because, as I said before, most people don't identify as activists and they're not going to do anything that really makes them stand out or that puts them in a position where they can be seen as like trying to be better than others. And so showcasing adaptation is easy and portraying engaging in climate solutions as, of course, it's common sense. Why wouldn't you? Just takes out a lot of drama from engaging in sustainable behaviors and just makes it normal. And I would say that for our audience who's might be based in the uk the third element would be really focusing on british values um, because community is a source of support of empathy of unity and there is a lot that we can showcase in terms of that community aspect in our communications british culture is fun and is witty and it's uh it has a ton of metaphors and anecdotes and references and big iconic moments that people will resonate with. And so making more use of that uh, popular culture element will bring people in. But we also need to understand that a lot of people are afraid of change and a big part of persuadables hold their cultural traditions very closely to their hearts. And so it's important to respect those traditions while also advocating for change, because those traditions mean a lot to people.
0: Do you think that that's transferable to other national contexts?
1: Yes, it goes down to what unites people and what is the social fabric of the country. We have heard that a lot of persuadables think that people talking about climate issues are others. And they are, you know, people not like me. And so I think we have a lot to win by showcasing that our solutions and our initiatives can be part of the social fabric of the country and add value to what we hold dear in society. So there is also an opportunity there.
0: What's the single most important aspect of communication that we should be paying attention to in our communications endeavours?
1: I would say going back to um, some of the um, issues I mentioned, we have a lot to learn from advertising. There is a power in uh, reaching people many, many times with the same message. Advertising has the power to uh, raise the profile of our um, social causes. It can make people more interested in the things that we are campaigning for. It can also engage people to take action. And using advertising for our purposes can be incredibly powerful. Thinking about the way in which we are influenced by communications, and using that to the advantage so that they serve the purposes of climate messages. It's a huge untapped opportunity.
0: Conversely, what's the biggest mistake that you see communicators make when attempting to engage the public on climate change issues?
1: I would say assuming that everyone is in the same mindset that you are. And so I think we are lucky enough to be working in organizations where we feel the collective power of all of us working towards you know, our organization's mission and our key messages. But outside that building or that company or uh, your home, people don't feel the same, Uh, level of urgency and they are not really as engaged as uh, we are. And I think it's important that we constantly remind ourselves that people are in different steps of the journey when it comes to not aware, to aware, to interested, to engaged in that journey of our engagement with climate change. We are very, very engaged and not everyone is.
0: Talking to Florencia was super inspiring. I really enjoyed it. But what in particular stuck with you from our conversation? What will you take from it and apply to your own work? For me, it was the need to continue emphasising the value that marketing and advertising theories and methodologies can contribute to communication about climate change. As someone with a marketing background myself, and having noted the exclusion of this knowledge and practice from climate communications over the years, I was really enthused to hear Florencia discuss this issue. I couldn't agree with her more. Our chat was also a stark reminder of the power and prevalence of misinformation. I think it's important to keep that constantly in the back of my mind. So that's what I'll be taking with me. But how about you? What did you hear? What will you be incorporating into your communications endeavours? Thanks to Florencia Luhani for sharing her time and expertise with the show. It was great. You can find links to some relevant resources in the show notes. Thanks also to you for listening to Communicating Climate Change. If you enjoyed this episode, why not leave it a rating or a review? You can find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts, or by subscribing so you never miss out. You can find Communicating Climate Change on LinkedIn too. And if you think that the series would be of interest to friends or colleagues, why not point them in the right direction? Remember, each and every episode attempts to add to our toolkits to help us develop the strategies and the reflexivity that we'll need for this essential task. So be sure to stay tuned for more. For anything else, just head over to communicatingclimatechange.com. Until next time, take care.